Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Who's ready for the Word of God this morning? If I fall asleep, throw something at me, but I'm going to try my hardest. I've got 30-something minutes to stay awake, and then I'm going home to have a sleep. We got home from a wedding on the Gold Coast last night at about 10.30, a little after, and then our little boy Noah had to go on camp this morning, so we're up at about just before four and got him down to school and it is all good. Amen? Okay, so the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is you'll get what you're giving. Everybody say, you'll get what you're giving. Everybody say, you'll get what you're giving. Fantastic. The subtitle might be Acts of Kindness. You know, and I think kindness is a grace and a grace that we can step into and a grace that can come upon our life. And you know, I think, I think it, it's powerful and emotional, an emotional grace, kindness. Just, just being kind to somebody. Having the ability to, again, I guess, look beyond our own circumstance and look to the circumstance of somebody else and just be kind. And I think we live in a world that's void of kindness because everybody's looking to themselves and looking to their needs and what they're walking through and what they're facing. But I think kindness is a grace, and it's a grace that I want to have so that I can extend it to other people. And there's an amazing scripture in Colossians 3, and I shared it yesterday at this wedding, so I just kind of threw it into the message this morning because I think it's relevant to what we're going to be talking about. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ... Um, if anyone has a complaint... Oh, sorry, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in the body, and be thankful. I love this where it says, put on love and be at peace. Put on love. Every day we get up, we get out of bed, we shower, and we put on our clothes. And, and I liken this, that in, in, we can get up each morning, and regardless of what the day before has been like, we can put on love. Yeah, but shouldn't I just love? We shouldn't be ruled by our emotions. We should learn to be able to manage our emotions and say, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I've been treated, regardless of what's happened to me right now, I'm going to put on love because I want to live in peace. And I've I got to tell you, peace is a rare commodity in the world we live in. And, and, and what price do you put on peace? You know, if, if I can have peace because I put on love, I'm going to put on love. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do what I can because I want to live in peace. Okay, so you'll get what you're giving. It's a, it's, it's a little bit of a play on words this morning, and you're probably thinking, that's not how it goes. That's not, that's not what the, the statement is. It's you'll get what you're given. And that's how most people think, I'll get what I'm given. And, and what I'm given, therefore, is limited. So I better hold on to what I'm given. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. The title is, You'll Get What You're Giving. See, because like I was saying before, the kingdom that we're a part of, the economy that we're a part of, it is, it is converse to, it's, it's, it's directly opposed to the way of the world. And like I was saying, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Because we're born again, we're new creations, we're, we're spiritual beings living and inhabiting an earthly sphere or realm. See, because the Bible says that, that this body is just a, a fleshly tent that houses my spirit, which will one day go on to be in eternity with the Lord. 
And so I want to I flip this around a little because I think most people's perspective is you'll get what you're given. I get a paycheck that is this amount or I have this amount of possessions or I have this amount of stuff in my world or people in my world. I better hold on to what I've got. I better fight for what I've got. I better store up what I've got because there may come a day where I need it and I need to draw upon it and therefore I can't give it away. And I just don't think that's the way God wants us to live. Amen? Most of you would know, some of you would know that I'm, I'm one of seven kids. I'm second eldest, big family. And this was cool and not so cool all at the same time. Because there were seven kids. We could have fun and we could entertain ourselves and we were just having a party. And if somebody wasn't getting on with the other, well, I just went and played with somebody else. And, and it was really cool. But see, Melissa and I, if we want to go on a holiday, we can just take the kids on a holiday. We can do what we... But being one of seven and therefore one of nine in the family... When we went on a holiday overseas, it was like you didn't just book a hotel and you get, get a plane, book a hotel, get a car and go to the hotel. It was you, you booked a camper van and a car to follow the camper van and then you also booked a hotel because you couldn't all fit in the camper van. I'm not, I'm not kidding. All around Europe, we would, we would drive a car and a camper van. We would cruise around. We would find a back laneway somewhere to park the camper van. The boys stayed in that while the girls went and stayed in a hotel room for the night. It was just, it was, it was crazy. But anyway... Can anyone relate this morning? It's just me. I'm just from a big family. But you'll understand it when I say that. When I was young and we would sit around the dinner table and there was nine of us, it was like a, a flock of seagulls hovering over that table. You, you've been down the river, you've had your, your fish and chips, there's seagulls hovering. And even before the food had been served, it's, if anybody doesn't want all of theirs, I'll have it. Are you going to eat that tonight? Do you like that? Do you want that? And at some point, dad would come in and say, listen, kids, you'll get what you're given and don't ask for any more. And that was, that was how it is. So, but we were protective, man. When that food came out, it was seriously like knife and fork, don't come near my plate. And, and you could, people would look, it was like, seriously, you, you know what I'm saying, Eric? But what this created, this, this statement, you'll get what you're given and don't ask for any more, what it created in us was a mindset of lack, where we fought for everything we had and we were going to hold on to all that we had. Even if we didn't like it, even if we didn't want everything that was, we ate it because I didn't want somebody else taking what was mine and I didn't know if there was any more that was coming out. Now, mum was a fantastic girl. There was always plenty, but it created in us this mindset of lack. And I think sometimes we can do life this way, feeling like I've got something and I'm not letting anybody else have it. I've, what I've got is for me, and I don't want to share it with anyone. I don't want to give it away because it's mine, and I'll get what I'm given, and, and don't ask for any more. Who knows that our God is, is not a God of, you'll get what you're given, and don't ask for any more. He says, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken over, and running over, it will be measured back into your lap the measure that you use, what you do. And, you know, there's a great scripture in Luke 12 that says, uh, starting in verse 15, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And as I read that, you know, because the Bible says, John 10, 10, I, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And I think there's times where we feel like, well, the abundant life is what I can get. And therefore, this is what I have. So look how abundant I am. 
But this is here is saying uh, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Can I, can I challenge us here this morning that life exists in opportunities to be a blessing, not in to gain and to grab a hold of? Can I tell you, seriously, over the last 20 or something years, and a lot of people ask me, how many watches do you have? And I have a few, and I'm, I'm all right with that. But the few that I want to have, I've given, and I've counted this, over 70 watches away. Because every watch that I have has been given to me. And it, it's, it's like the more I give away, the more that gets given back to me. It's not that most would go, well, you have to hold on to what you have, because then, then it's yours. I've found over time, the more that I give away, we've given away cars, we've given away surfboards, suits, money, gold jewelry, just when God's spoken to us, we've done, it, is, it just gets poured back into our world because there's a flow that's created. And so, you know, and, and, and I'm not talking about finances today. I'm talking about acts of kindness where we live generously, holistically, where I can give a smile and I can give a compliment and I can meet somebody's need, if not financially, emotionally or relationally, and I can step into a void in their world and fill it because I, I want to get beyond myself and I want to better somebody else's life. Amen? And you know, this, that, that thought of lack and ultimately... There's this, this thought of poverty, that God isn't able. He doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. He isn't unlimited. He, he doesn't have all the resources. That's, that must be the root of that thought, because if we truly believed what Ephesians says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. See, we can't believe that scripture if we live with a lack mentality or a poverty mentality where I must hold on to and I must hoard and I must build up for myself. And you know what? Sometimes that's just love. I don't, you know, we don't give love to those that are around it because we don't feel like we're going to get love in return. Can I encourage you this morning, whatever you give out in life is what you will receive back into your world in a bigger measure than you poured it out initially. So, you know, I, I, I was thinking through that. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. This is what the Word says. Uh, if you give love, you'll receive love. If you're generous, you'll receive generosity. This is sowing and reaping. And it says in Galatians 6, it says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Can I encourage, if there's lack in your world in a certain area, start sowing towards that area. If there's, if there's a lack of peace in your world, start sowing peace in every situation you find yourself in. If there's a lack of finance, start giving finances. Do you know, I saw a, I don't even know why I saw it. I, know, I don't sit at home watching daytime television. But I saw an Oprah episode where she, was, she brought in this finance expert. And then she brought in all these people that were in huge amounts of debt, $120,000 worth of debt, $600,000, all of this. And Oprah said to this lady, what should they do? She said they should take 10% of the level of debt and give it away. And Oprah nearly fell off her chair. She's like, oh, I brought this expert in and she's crazy. What are you talking about? And she said, right now, you know, and this is just fine, but their finances have control over their world. She said, but when you can give something away, you take control back into your own hands. You're saying, this is where this will go, and I'm going to send it, and I'm going to direct it in the direction I want it to go. See, see, we can sow into our futures. We can sow into what we want to receive, and we can do this through acts of kindness.
See, because we talk about being a community of faith, hope, and love, and loving God, loving people, serving the community, but that has to be grounded in something. There has to be a point where the rubber meets the road, and I believe that's acts of kindness, where we can go to our neighbors, where we can go to our friends, we can go to those, you know, that, that we know have lack and need in their world, and we can meet that lack, and we can be the answer in that situation. Amen? You know, I love the scripture in Proverbs 11, 24, and it says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love that. It's a great descriptive scripture that is so countercultural and so counter and opposite to the way we think in the world. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. I just love the economy of the kingdom. I just love the way God works. Do it my way and it works. You know, and I was thinking through this, the acts of kindness are just acts of generosity where we do something that costs us something, but someone else benefits. And whether that is, again, financially, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, where you spend time praying for someone. You, you might, God might put somebody on your heart and you can spend 30 minutes interceding on behalf of their world. That's an act of kindness. It's something we can do as a community of believers to better somebody else's life. And, you know, I'm grateful that I've had people in my world that have cried out to God on my behalf to get me through tough situations and tough times. I think I, I told the story once of... Uh, my, my auntie died, my brother-in-law died, my grandmother died all within a six-week window. We were running conferences all around Australia with a few thousand kids attending at each. I was traveling and speaking at different youth conferences and I wasn't sleeping. My whole nervous system was shot, my hair was falling out and I was having cortisone injections in my head. And it was just a, a funky time. And, and I got to Melbourne, but what, what, sorry, what would happen is every morning I'd be up till about four in the morning, I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up at seven. So I was, I was running on about three hours sleep a night. I got to Melbourne and there was three speakers. There was Kevin Loon, Natasha Ray and myself. And on the, the flyer and the brochure, there was just three little tiny pictures, each of our heads, uh, Kevin, Natasha and then myself. And I preached, Kevin preached, and then Natasha, who was like a prophetess, she's actually best friends with Vicki Simpson, she stood up with an arrow, a real arrow that you'd fire. And she walked up to me and pointed the arrow at me and she said, you've kept me awake for three months. I was like, what? And I didn't even know her at this point. She said, you've kept me awake at three months. Ever since I saw your photo, now it's not that bad a photo, please. <laughs> she said, God has woken me at three o'clock every morning and told me to pray for you. And she said, and I haven't been able to go back to sleep until that burden broke. As she was praying, for, we worked the dates out whilst this was happening. She would pray for me somebody she didn't even know, act of kindness, and I would fall asleep. The only thing, I believe that, that she was breaking something in the spirit realm, and it was benefiting me, it was costing her, and she didn't even know me. There's going to be times and seasons where God calls each of us to get beyond ourselves, to step out and do something on behalf of somebody else. Are we willing to do it, church? Are we going to be those people that love God, love people, and serve our community? Are we going to step out into acts of kindness and do something just for goodness sake? You know, acts, goodness, kindness for goodness sake. The world needs kindness. The world needs love. The, and we can put it on. We can put on love so that others can live. Amen? So my question of you this morning is, what have you got and what are you giving? Because somebody needs it. What have you got? may not be finances. 
Have, have you got time? Have you got empathy? Have you got intercession? Have you got, what have you got? Because somebody else needs it. You'll get what you're giving. In uh, Acts chapter 3, this is talking about Peter and John, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms, some money, for the, from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, was asking for something. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter and said, Silver and gold I don't have... But what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was him who had sat begging uh, for money at the gate beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love this. Here's a guy that from birth has been crippled. And the best he can do in life is be carried to the entrance of the temple to, to beg. And it says that Peter and John looking at him, seeing him. First they heard him, then they saw him. Everything's vying for our attention in life, but we don't always look at the very thing that's screaming at us. But I love this because it's a really cool story because this is the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Revival is breaking forth. People are getting touched and healed. And, and these guys are preaching and people are being impacted. And the church is growing really quickly. So Peter and John are busy men. We all get busy, right? Life gets busy. It's, it's full on. It, it, there's a lot going on. And, you know, it's hard at times to see beyond our own circumstances. I feel like this is my capacity. This is, this is all I can do. I've got no room for anything else. I'm, I feel for everybody. I've got no room, no capacity. God wants to enlarge our capacity. Because in the middle of this, Peter and John were still worshipping and fellowshipping and going to the temple to connect with God, but in the, they didn't let, stop, let them stop doing acts of kindness. He didn't have to stop, but he did. We don't have to benefit others, but we can. As the church... Christ followers, filled with the Holy Spirit. We can do certain things. And I love this. He says, um, Peter, seeing a beggar, says, look at us. What I have, I give to you. We all have certain giftings in our world, certain uh, anointings, certain graces in our world that, that need to be given. They're not there for us. They're there to be given and poured out. And, uh, you know, what I like is Peter didn't have what the man was asking for but he still gave him something. I think sometimes we can make excuses in life that I don't have what they're asking for, but often what a person's asking for isn't what they actually need. It, he, this man didn't need this. This is from birth till now, he'd been laid daily. That's not, that's not living, that's existing. But, but what happened with, when Peter didn't disqualify himself by saying, I don't have what you're asking for, but actually said, I'll give you what I've got. He, there was a transference that took place, and rather than meeting his temporal need, he met his eternal need. Somebody's eternity is lying on the other side of our obedience to an act of kindness, something that God asks us to do, something that may be uncomfortable for us to do, something that may cost us something. But I tell you, 
it is worth it. And what they gave was more powerful than what they held on to. They could have gone, we're men of God. We're, we're about the Lord's business. We're seeing people saved. We're, we're entering into the temple because this is the most important work. And all they would have had was their own God encounter. But what they gave was far more powerful because it says that the man, after they'd grabbed a hold of him, after he'd received his healing, after he'd been transformed, entered into the temple with them. Can I tell you, when we, we operate in acts of kindness, when we extend ourselves, people will follow us into the house of God. When we meet people's needs, when we love on people, when we extend and operate in the grace of kindness, people will follow us into the house of God. People don't want to know Jesus loves you. People want to experience Jesus' love. People experience Jesus' love through our actions. We're his hands and his feet, we're his mouthpiece on the earth today. We can make a difference. You know, I was thinking through yesterday, I was thinking through that petrol in a jerry can might as well be water in a jerry can. It's just a liquid sloshing around. But when it's applied to an engine or it's applied to a fire, there's explosive power with the petrol. In a, in a jerry can, sitting in a can, it's no different to any other liquid. It needs context to reach its potential. We need, we need to operate in our context to reach our potential. God is calling us to go out into the world, go out into the highways and the byways and make a difference. Our context isn't church. Our context is the community we find ourselves in. Our sphere of influence isn't in here. Our sphere of influence is out there. Our Christianity starts on Monday. Today we're worshipping and fellowshipping together, building up, strengthening, getting refilled. But for tomorrow, that's where our explosive power is, out in the community where we find ourselves operating in acts of kindness and generosity in our context. Amen? Come on, let's thank God this morning. I'm trying hard here and I haven't fell asleep yet. Nearly, but not yet. Matthew 8, 10 verse 8 says this, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Not hold on to, not store up. In fact, the Bible, just talking in the context of material possessions, says don't store up in this place. You know, possessions and materials where wrath, uh, moth and rust destroy. This is, this is the exact opposite. Freely give and freely give. And I feel like God's saying to us this morning, if I've got it to you once, I can get it to you again. If I ask you to give it, I can fill it again. If there's a void created for me, if there's a little bit of faith extended to me, I can do something with that. And please, believe me, my, my measure is far bigger than yours. And I kind of love living in that place where I go, God, I'm dependent on you. I got nothing. You asked me to do this, so I did it. Now I got nothing. You got to come through. Can I tell you, 20 odd years of living as a Christian, God has never failed me once. I've never come up short. There are, there are lean times. There are 11th hour moments. There's all those kinds. But God has never failed us. He's always been faithful to everything that he's asked of us and promised us. Amen. I saw this great quote the other day. It says, no matter how big your house is, how recent your car is, or how big your bank account is, our graves will always be the same, same size. Stay humble. We can store up. You know, another one is that you, you'll never see a, a trailer following a hearse. See, I, I want to do this life enjoying it with the people around me. I want to live generous. I want to be big-hearted. I want to I have an ability to give in, in all circumstances, in every situation I find myself in, because that reflects God. You know, who, who wanting to regain something, gave what was most precious to him. Amen. So anyway, that was Peter and John. 
Let's move on here. This is in, in John 4, 27. It's a story of a Samaritan woman. Talking about Jesus. It's a Samaritan woman that's been married five times. She's been married five times, but now she's living with a guy that she's not even married to. And she encounters Jesus. And what I love is the Jesus that she encountered wasn't a Jesus that condemned or a Jesus that, you know, it was just a Jesus that met her, revealed who she was, revealed who he was, and showed that he would accept her. We're not called to judge the world. We're called to love the world. We're called to be kind to those we meet and to set an example for them of how they can live. See, we can preach the gospel and we can, we, can, we can be fire and brimstone and you're going to hell. Most people are living in hell right now, right where they are. We don't have to add to that. We're meant to be bearers of hope and light and love. And, and we're meant to extend forgiveness. We're meant to be gracious. We're meant to be kind. And I love this. It's, it says, this is Jesus. It says, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Well, why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot because Jesus had said, can you, get, can you get me a drink of water? And he, and he used this so that he could say, well, I am, if you drink of the water that I offer you, you'll never thirst again. This is spiritual water. This will bring you real life. Um, the woman left her water pot there, went her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, let's eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I love this because here is Jesus, the one perfect being, human being, spiritual being, godly being, that could extend judgment and that could condemn. But what he did is he brought value, honor, and esteem to a nameless woman. We don't even know this woman's name. So we, we often do life where we're looking on at people in their situations, in their circumstances, and even if it's only internally, we cast some form of judgment. Can I encourage you? Let's not be people that judge. Let, let's not be people that criticize. Let's not be people that pull down. Let's be an army of men and women that lift up everybody that we come in, in contact with. Every person we meet in the community, there's a smile instead of a frown. There, there's a hand extended. You know, most of us would just walk the other direction because this wasn't cultural. The first thing was Jesus was talking to a woman. That didn't happen. The second thing, he was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. That didn't happen. In other words, this encounter didn't have to take place. And his disciples were like, what are you doing? You do know who you're talking to, right? And Jesus knew what was going on. But he said, this lady is more important than tradition. This lady, sometimes we think our beliefs, our traditions, our business is more important. People are never an interruption to what we have to do. They're always an opportunity to be a blessing. And I want to be a blessing. I want you to be a blessing wherever you are. And there's always people that have got greater levels of need than we do. And I love this because Jesus didn't condemn this woman. 
and he said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. He got his sustenance, he got his energy from doing God's will. And last week we were talking about, you know, moving on from being, having Jesus just as Savior as to making him Lord. I think this is the start of it where we step out and we do acts of kindness and we realize that it's, it's not about what I hold on to. It's not about what I gather in life, but it's about giving. You get, you'll get what you're giving. You'll get what you're giving. I love what it says. It goes on to say, um, the harvest is here. Don't, don't wait for three or four months. The harvest is here right now. I believe it's time to open our eyes to God opportunities. It's, it's time to open it because we've prayed for salvation. We've prayed for revival. We've prayed for, you know, God to touch the, the, the peninsula and the, and the city that we find ourselves in. I think he's saying, now open your eyes because there's people right in front of you that I want you to go and encounter with. I want you to go and touch. I want you to go and bless and be kind to. Amen. You know, can I ask you this? Do you know your, your neighbor's names? Do you know how they're doing? Because Melissa just the other day had an opportunity to, to talk to our neighbor and she just noticed that she was down and she started crying and she just realized that her grandmother and her grandfather had just passed away. So Melissa said, can I pray for you? She said, sure you can. They prayed and that was it. Melissa went away. But two days later, she came and grabbed Melissa and said, since you prayed for me, I've been at peace. Since, since you prayed for me, there's this weight that's lifted off me. Now, that wasn't any massive act. That wasn't getting $10,000 out of the bank account. It was just an act of kindness. Can I pray for you? You know, Josh the other week, praying for a guy that he's selling a car to that's got stage four terminal cancer. Like, that's stepping out. That's getting outside of your comfort zone. You, you've got to do something. Like, that's a big deal. He could have complained to his boss and Josh could have gone, because you know what? There's, there's an opportunity here. And the guys now come back and seen. Josh said, it's, it's in remission. I've had all the tests. The cancer's in remission. From a simple act of kindness, from a stepping out, from a going, it might not be my personality type. I may not feel like it. I, you don't understand what I'm going through. Sometimes it takes pushing all that to the back and going, I'm going to do it anyway because that's who I am. And the God that I believe in, that's what he's calling me to. Amen? People are aching for answers. They're aching for encounters, and we've got the answers they need. I love what it says in Proverbs 11, verse 30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Do you know, I believe winning souls is, is a much about winning people to ourselves that it is to Christ, because people enter into relationship first, and then we, we offer them relationship with Jesus. That generally comes, that relationship comes because there's kindness extended. There's generosity shown. There's talking to somebody at work that everybody else, you know, ignores. There's overlooking faults and overlooking differences of opinion or, or actions to go, you know what, I want to win the person rather than winning a war. Amen? Is this helping anybody this morning? Let me do, say this. How do you prepare for an act of kindness? Let's just get practical for a minute. How do you prepare for an act of kindness? The first thing I'd say is pray. God, help me to see the world you, the way you see it. God, help me to see people the way you see them. Pray, cry out, God, give me opportunities. Give me opportunities to be a blessing. Give me opportunities to step out in an act of kindness so that I can be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Second thing I say is pray. Give me your spirit to lead and guide me into opportunities. Prayer is essential in this. If, if we're not guided by the Holy Spirit every day, we won't see what God wants us to see. We won't be on that path that he has for us to walk. The third thing is scheme and plan and get excited about blessing others. 
get let yourself get excited about opportunities to bless somebody else. I love what it says in Isaiah 32, verse 8. It says, but a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. See, because it says, don't, don't, don't be fooled. True life isn't in, in the abundance of earthly possessions. It says, a generous man devises generous things, and by his generosity he'll stand. You'll get what you're giving. You'll get what you're giving. In life, we will get what we're giving. And if we're giving miserliness, if we're giving, you know, holding on and tight-fistedness, that's what we will get. That's what we will receive from others. But when we can live generous and big, that's what we'll get into our world. Three characteristics of an act of kindness, and we'll finish with this. The first one is it's, it's going to be inconvenient. An act of kindness is going to be inconvenient. But let's just deal with that. That's okay. Inconvenience is okay. I can put myself out for somebody else. I've had many instances and occurrences over the years where people have put themselves out for me and it's benefited me. And I'm grateful for that. The second thing, it, it will cost you some money and time. An act of kind, taking somebody out for a coffee, taking somebody out just to, for lunch to say, how are you doing? I know you've walked through a tough season, a tough time. How are you doing? That's, that's what an act of kindness looks like. An act of kindness looks like a, a Operation Christmas Child Box. It looks like a hamper. It looks like it will cost you something. But when we can come to a place where we resolve that it's okay, because God's able to meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You'll get what you're giving. Can I just get the band to come back, Lozzie? The third thing is this. It'll probably put you out of your comfort zone. An act of kindness will probably put you out of your comfort zone. Like a Josh praying for his, his friend at, at work. God will call you to do things that you may not feel totally comfortable with or that you may not have done before. That's okay. He's calling you into a new day. He's calling you into a, a bigger place and he's trying to increase your capacity. Can I encourage you, as your pastor, step out into acts of kindness. Step out into God opportunities. Step beyond the limitations of, of your comfort zone and watch what God will do. He will meet you at that place. When I was in New Zealand and God's telling me, pray for this and pray for this, that's outside of my comfort zone because I don't even know that these people have these challenges that I'm calling out. But every time God meets you at that place of, of, of obedience, when you step out and he moves in in the middle of it. Let's be known as those people who always act kindly towards those in need. Let's be that church. When somebody thinks of C3 Church, when somebody thinks of a C3 Church member, let's be those people that they think about go, they're generous, they're loving, they're kind, they're gracious, they're forgiving, they're accepting, they're welcoming. They always operate in acts of kindness. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? I believe 2015 is going to be a great year where we see a harvest of souls, a harvest of families, a harvest of... Just men and women encountering God, perhaps afresh, perhaps for the first time. I want to be a part of that. I want to shine bright in our community. I want to make a difference. I want to see people blessed and benefited because we put ourselves out a little. Amen. Let's be that church. Let's be those people. We don't, we don't do church and we don't do Christianity for ourselves. We believe in the one true living God and therefore we live a certain way. And that's big. I want to be known as a big hearted church. I want to be a big person. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes, look away to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you that you've called us to represent you in the earth. Lord, I pray that today this word would take root in our hearts. This week we would see God opportunities. Father, that we would, 
we would step out and we would look at life, we would look at people through your eyes. We would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, Lord. I pray this week that every member of this church will have an opportunity to be a blessing at their place of work, in their home, in their community, with their neighbours, with the person at the corner store, Lord, wherever it is. I pray, Father, that you would use us powerfully this week in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And everybody said... Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.